Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Scott Wurzbacher, and today we are going to explore the Gap and CNO Trail that connects Pittsburgh to Washington, D.C., and makes for a great week-long camping and cycling adventure. These trails attract bucket list adventurers from all around the world, and they get about a million visitors a year. Located on the East Coast, they have particular interest to me. The Gap Trail is short for the Great Allegheny Passage, which is a 150-mile trail that runs from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to Cumberland, Maryland. The Chesapeake and Ohio National Canal Trail, or the CNO for short, then goes from Cumberland to Washington, D.C. for another 184.5 miles. When you pair these two together, the Gap and the CNO trails make for an awesome 334.5 mile trail from Pittsburgh all the way to DC. Both of these are historic trails originally built to facilitate industries such as coal and lumber. Our guest today is Patrick Gray, a fellow adventurer. Pat is someone who loves to work hard and play hard. He's a family man from Fort Mill, South Carolina, he makes his living as an innovator in digital consulting with ACOM, but when he's not working, he loves to find an adventure. As an explorer, Pat's somebody who strives to be competent in many aspects of life rather than an expert in a narrow set. Last year, feeling constrained from stay-at-home orders, Pat decided to head out on a solo journey to tackle the Gap and the CNO trails on his bike over the course of a week, and I am thrilled to have him here with us to share that story. Pat, welcome to the campfire, my friend. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Um, super pumped. I'm, we had coffee not too long ago, and you were telling me about this trail, and I didn't even know it existed, and I was immediately intrigued by it, and I'm just super excited to hear all about the journey. So just to give our listeners a little bit of context, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, who, who Pat Gray is and uh, what life is like for him here in, in uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina? Sure. So I've... Uh... I'm, as you mentioned, a family man. I have three children. We all try and get outside whenever we can. And prior to all the COVID stuff, I was uh, unfortunate and sometimes unwitting frequent tra traveler. So spent hundreds of days, you know, plying the friendly and not so friendly skies, staying in hotels, all that stuff. Right. And then COVID came along and just everything shut down. And, you know, we went from, I think 2019, I did you know, hundred plus flights to two in 2020. <laughs> so had this very weird, you know, shift in, in kind of my schedule shift in, in the way I was working. Most of my, my work was going out and seeing clients. And as my, uh, one of my kids put it in one of those little father's day things that you take home and in preschool, my job was to uh, stay in hotels and talk to people. <laughs> and all of a sudden that, uh, that changed quite a bit. So. Yeah, I think the the genesis of of the bike trip was, you know, I think I went in late 2019 and it was kind of in the midst of of COVID mania and I was like I got to I got to do something. You know, there's feeling a little cooped up. Feeling a little cooped up and kind of tired of all the uncertainty. You know, we we were in the 
at work kind of in our fifth, like we're going back to work, we're going, you know, going to reopen everything. And then, you know, something would spike and it was, nope, scrap that plan. Um, you know, and just, just kind of stuck a little bit and, and feeling, uh, you know, feeling that stuck in this and, and that need to, to get out of the house a little bit and, and go on an adventure. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of, you know, I love on this podcast to delve into the, the kind of the internal motivations and I, I want to go get a little bit um, deeper on that. But before we do that, can you just tell us kind of how you found the gap in the CNO trails and, you know, any history you want to share, anything that's sort of attracted to you that, to, to that particular trail? Yeah, I think it, it, at some point somebody got me one of those calendars back when calendars were a thing where you'd have like the, the yeah, thing of the yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I always liked far side ones as a kid, but I think my wife got me one that was like an adventure a day or something. And it had, you know, various hikes and, and all these elaborate things from, you know, going, uh, you know, climbing some Kilimanjaro in, in your case or going yeah, to yeah. Uh, Antarctica or something. But then, you know, I found at some point one was, uh, was the CNO and Gap Trail. And I think, you know, at that point it may still be, it was like the longest contiguous bike trail in the U.S., I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's something kind of in my backyard. I'm going to file that in yeah. my little list of, of future adventures that I keep on my phone. And it probably sat there for, you know, 10 years or whatever. And then I was, was kind of sitting around and getting a little, little rammy during COVID. And I was like, let me look at my adventure list. And I was like, ah, oh, this, you know, I could get there quickly. It's relatively close. It's not going to take a, you know, elaborate series of, of equipment or planning or, or fitness or anything like that. Let's, uh, let's make it happen. And, and the more I researched it, kind of the more excited I got. Um, my great grandfather, I don't know if he worked on that specific railroad, but he was a, a railroad guy in, in Pennsylvania. Um, I have family from, from that part of the world. My, uh, my other great grandfather was a coal miner and I think ultimately died of black lung. So yeah. I had this kind of industrial, like Pennsylvania coal country yeah, yeah. story in the family and just loved the idea of, of the railroad. You know, I've always been fascinated by these big transportation networks that, you know, people had to go and carve and scrap out of this, this emerging country. And, you know, I just, I love that idea of, of, you know, riding the iron horse across the country and goods and people and all this stuff being transported and, you know, cowboys robbing the trains and, and kind of all that frontier mythology that, uh, that I grew up with. So it was, it was just this kind of natural, natural uh, build of, of interest yeah so like so does the trail run alongside the railroad or, or so the, the gap tracks? is is the actual railroad bed okay. so i think most of the tracks have been pulled up there's a few okay. towns you go through where the stations are still there so you know you literally kind of wheel into town and, and hit the train station and then when you go when it switches to the cno what what i never really knew i just you know kind of took it as a matter of course hey it's this thing called the cno towpath then I started researching. I was like, what the heck is a towpath? And it turns out there was a canal built from DC and ultimately they were going to try and get to Pittsburgh. And there's a series of manual locks. So this was before electrification or before widespread steam power, I guess. And they would have these barges that would go up the canal and they would have mules on the towpath. Like they were literally walking down the path, towing oh, these barges. Wow. The mules are, are pulling the barges basically. Yep. So wow. the, you know, the towpath was very appropriately named. Um, wow. Yeah. These mules towing barges. And I think there's like a hundred or there were a hundred plus, you know, almost 200 locks along this, this pathway. And each one of them had a house and there would be, you know, you would sign up to go and be a, a lock keeper and you'd bring your family, go to this house, you get a little plot for land for a garden and you would just hang out there. And at any point, you know, 24 seven, someone could roll up with their barge and they'd yell Locky and the guy would have to come out and 
operate all the locks and bring the barge to the next level and send them on their way. So it was, you know, this really interesting story of, you know, what kind of people would live there and who would be attracted to that kind of job. And, you know, there were still, uh, still native peoples around that would come and potentially raid your, your little lock, uh, lock house. So just this really yeah, cool yeah. frontier story with, uh, with that side of the trail as well. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing history. Some, I'm like, wh- how long ago w- was that sort of put out of commission? I think the, the CNO kind of became obsolete when the railroad got all the way down to DC. So there was, yeah. I don't know if it was official or, or kind of an unofficial race essentially, yeah. but the, you know, it was kind of a contest to see if the railroad could connect Pittsburgh and DC or the locks yeah. could connect them first. Yeah. So, you know, they were literally, you know, the, the lock guys or the canal guys would see the railroad guys kind of building the railroad track while they were trying to get that canal north as fast as they could. Yeah. And the railroad ultimately went out. So the, the canal kind of became obsolete relatively quickly. And then I think the railroad ran till the, you know, the fifties or or sixties. So cool. Okay. So like for you as an adventurer tackling this, like, what is the terrain like? What is that? I mean, are you going through cities? Is it, is it nature? Is it what, you know, walk us through kind of what that is like. Yeah. So it's in in terms of a bike ride, it's super easy, uh, particularly for that, you know, that area gets a little hilly, but since it was a a railroad bed and a a thing for, you know, bringing barges up a river, they, Mm -hmm. they chose very light grades I think the steepest grade is, is, you know, maybe 3%. Okay. So super easy. You kind of go from town to town in the beginning and you almost take this, uh, you know, this kind of deindustrialization tour, you know, you go, you start in Pittsburgh and you're yep. going through the steel yards and the railroad yards and it's kind of very industrial. Then you get to some smaller towns along the way. And then you ultimately go through a state park. And I, I can't remember the name of the state park, but it's, you know, you feel like it's one of those things that you feel like you're the only person in, in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, by virtue of being on the East coast and 10 minutes, someone rides by on a, a bicycle, the boom box. And you're like, I guess I'm not the only person in the world, but it, uh, <laughs> you do get that feeling. And I saw, you know, I saw a bear, I saw uh, you know, all sorts of wildlife. So it, it's this nice feeling of, of kind of quiet, quietness and solitude, especially when you get away from the towns. Yeah. Oh, so where did you see bear? I saw a bear in that park and, you know, I saw two yeah. cubs cross the path in front of me yeah. and then cross the path the other way. And I was like, uh Oh, I don't know which side mama's on and hopefully she's not, uh, not on the other side. So I, you know, took a, a break and had a cliff bar and then, you know, rang my, my little bell and yelled quite a bit and went, uh, went a little faster there just in case mama and the cubs were, uh, were separated. But, yeah. They probably can run faster than you can, but maybe you can ride faster than they can run. I don't know. <laughs> it felt good to put a little, little heat on if, if nothing else. It was, uh, it was a good fantasy. Yeah. But it's, a, it's essentially a gravel path. Is that right? Yeah, it's a gravel path. You know, the the gap is especially is very smooth. It's yep. you know, really nicely graded. I mean, it's it's probably smoother than you know, your average major uh, urban road. Yep. There's no potholes. You know, it's nice uh, nice pea gravel. The uh, the gap gets a little little rougher, but you know, there's nothing. I had a like a gravel bike, so you, know, you don't need a mountain bike or anything like that. You could probably ride the yep. whole thing. And I know some people have ridden the whole thing on like a racing road bike. So cool. It's uh, it's pretty easy. And, and camping at night. Yeah. So the, the gap has both commercial and some free campsites. And then you get on the CNO, the whole park is actually, or the whole trail is actually a, a national park. Yeah. And I think it's like the longest, narrowest national park or has some superlative like that. Yeah. But every 15 ish miles, there's a, a campground set up by the, the park service. Okay. And they're all free and they all have, water which you know some of the water was working some of it wasn't but for the most part they have water 
they have an outhouse, they have a fire ring, and they have you know space for probably five or six five or six tents. So, okay. you know, there's this uh, this whole infrastructure there. It's super easy. You know, if you don't like the look of of one site, you can kind of keep going to the other. Yep. Um, on the gap, each of the trail towns generally have a place you can stay for free. Whether it's kind of the the town square, or some of them had a little area they had built to to facilitate yeah. bicycle campers. So, you know, really easy and and generally nice infrastructure and you know you you generally hit a town every four or five hours so you can stop and have lunch um you can have dinner in towns i generally did uh, lunch and dinner in town and then would they uh, would do breakfast and camp got it yeah i was going to ask you about like um food supplies you didn't even you, you really sounds like you don't really need to carry anything with you because there's enough places to stop along the way yeah, the, the gap, you definitely don't need to carry anything with you. Um, when you get to the CNO, it's a little more, you know, there aren't really any trail towns. I think yeah. there were a couple, but for the, the southern part of the gap, it's a little more rural. And you can kind of shoot off and go into town if you need to. But that was, you know, I think I did two or three dinners uh, that I had packed in Got it. and cooked in camp. But, you know, in the uh, on the gap, it was all a nice uh, end of the day burger and uh, a cold, cold adult beverage. There you go. So how, um, how many nights did it take you to do this trip? I think it was five or six nights. Okay. Um, you know, I wasn't in any particular hurry. I probably averaged 40 miles a day. Okay. And, um, logistics, did you have, did you have your own bike? How did, how did that work? And how did like, can you, how did you start and stop? Yeah, I had my own bike. Um, I think there's a couple of companies that rent bikes, but you know, I, I kind of like geeking out in the gear a little bit. Okay. So set up a, a touring bike and did a one-way car rental that ended up being super cheap. Um, there is Amtrak service into both Pittsburgh and DC and they have some of the routes have, have bike cars, but I think like, you know, 60, 70 bucks, I got a one-way rental, uh, rented yeah. a little SUV and just threw my bike in the back, drove up to Pittsburgh, was able to abandon my, uh, my rental car right at the start of the gap, essentially near the, the Amtrak station. And then I stayed in the hotel for the night, you know, wheeled my, my bike up to my room and then yeah. first thing in the morning got out and, uh, and got after it. Very cool. And where does it end in DC? So it ends in DC in Georgetown, essentially. Awesome. And then DC has a pretty good, you know, collection of, of bike routes, um, yeah. both on and off road. And what I've heard a lot of people do is they park at the airport and there's a, a bike trail that goes all the way out to, to Reagan. Um, so you can do that. Or I just rode to, uh, to Amtrak and there was an Amtrak that went back to Charlotte at a bicycle car. Oh, nice. So you actually took Amtrak home instead of taking the yeah, that's the way to go. I actually yeah. had an opportunity to do that recently. It's a, it is a very comfortable way to travel, surprisingly. Um, so it sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, if you live on the East Coast, it seems like it's a super easy um, trip to tackle. doesn't sound like it's uh, – it sounds like there's a lot more peace than, than there is, um, you know, fear, anxiety, any of that kind of stuff. But I, I'm curious, were, were, there any, um, were there any sort of moments of resistance or any kind of interesting encounters that you had along the way? No, I mean, everyone was, uh, was friendly. Everyone was great. There were, you know, you'd realize you were getting close to a town when you'd see, you know, a few people out kind of tooling around on bikes. And then, you know, as you got closer, you'd see people out walking. Um, I had one, I think on day one, I had an unleash dog incident, which, you know, I'm, mm. Have a dog, love dogs, but really get frustrated with people that don't have their dogs on leashes. And, you know, it started as they all do with some guy yelling, oh, they're very friendly. And then one, of course, bit me in the ankle. Uh, um, didn't really break the skin. I just kind of carried on. It seemed like uh, like more trouble than it was worth to, to stop and, and do all that nonsense. And then as I got closer to D.C., you know, there were a couple of uh, 
ran to a rather strange family that was, I don't know what they were doing, but there was a dad with an axe and some kids carrying logs that, uh, that had a, you know, one of the little kids had a weird comment about throwing me in the lake, which was, uh, was strange. Um, okay. And other than that, you know, it was, <laughs> it was still kind of peak pandemic. So everyone was, yeah. was fine. And then the closer I got to DC, like people would you know be coming on the trail and I literally yeah. had a few people like jump off and throw their masks on. And it was like, uh, yeah, I was coming down with radioactive ooze dripping out of my nose. <laughs> That's kind of the, yeah. the state of the world at that point. And, and it was post, uh, you know, kind of post the riots in DC. So things were still boarded yes. up. That yeah. was a little weird. Kind it was of, a strange time, right? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely sort of a welcome back to, to reality in, you know, in this weird, uh, weird twilight zone we were in at the time. Well, and, and I mean, specifically for you, because part of this, the part of the motivation was like, I want to try to go back to something normal. Like I, I'm cooped up in the house and I need to, I need to get out. And, uh, and you being kind of a pioneering explorer, you probably kind of felt it earlier than some people did. Yeah. Yeah. And I love things, you know, kind of long distance, anything long distance and human powered. Cause it just, it takes away, it takes life yeah. down to its essentials. You yeah. know, you're out there. And I'm sure someone could do the math on how many pedal strokes it would take you to, to do that distance. But it's just, you know, you have a goal that's kind of big and it's yeah. you know, big enough to be a little bit frightening, but small enough that it's achievable. And the way you get there is you just keep pedaling. You know, there's yeah. just this, this very clear thing you've got to do to keep maintaining forward momentum. And, you know, yes, it's hard and yes, it takes a long time, but it's, you know, kind of strips life down to the essence. There's no yeah. one, you know, on social media telling you you can or can't do it. There's no one, you know, trying to politicize it it's just you get on your bike and you pedal and you go as far as you feel like going and throw your tent up and do it again the next day yeah yeah so i mean i'm curious like this particular adventure and i love that you talked about your adventure list because i think that's something you know like just by virtue of having an adventure list like that obviously creates sort of this inspiration and a reminder to get after it but like you know what is it about this particular type of adventure for you you know being on the bike being alone, I kind of want to hear about that because you could have chosen to go with others, but you chose to kind of go tackle this adventure on your own. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, what was the inspiration behind that and, and what it was like to be out there on your own for, for a whole week? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I like the, the bicycle out of all the, you know, I've done long motorcycle trips, I've done long hikes, but the bicycle kind of gives you you know, enough of the mechanical advantage that you can cover some ground, but yeah. it's not, you know, you're still human powered. Yeah. And there's just, you know, I think it's hard not to smile when you're on a bicycle. Like, you know, I've done some like fitness stuff on a bicycle, you know, you and I've done some triathlons and I've, you know, sat in the garage and gutted it out and grimaced through, uh, through training stuff. But you know, when you're just out and you're not trying to do any of that and you're like, I'm 40 and I'm on a friggin' bicycle. Like it's, <laughs> it's impossible fun. not to be smiling and happy. Like you're, you're doing it wrong if, if you're not doing that. So yeah. the bicycle element I think was, was kind of a key piece. And then, you know, the alone thing was partially couldn't figure out logistics, you know, asked a few people and, and didn't have a lot of interest. And I was just like, I gotta, I gotta do this. You know, I gotta yeah. spend some time in my head and kind of sort things out and figure out, you know, how I'm going to get through this and how I'm going to kind of get my own mind right. Because I've got a family of, of four other people that need to, you know, have that, uh, that anchor in, yep. in the family. Yep. Yeah. So, um, love to just dig a little deeper on that. You said, you know, you, you're going to spend some time in your head and we want to get our mind right. Like what do we need to get right? What's, what, what are we hoping to bring back? Yeah. I mean, I think at that point it was, it was just a sense of, of stasis, 
you know, mm -hmm. usually I have a plan. Usually I have, you know, some kind of vague trajectory on how to get there. But at this point with, you know, with everything that was going on with the COVID stuff, with, you know, job uncertainty and all that, it was just like, you know, I, I'm not sure how to, to break out of the stasis. And if I keep sitting around doing the same thing every day, that's certainly not going to do it. You know, there's the old uh, definition of insanity. So it's like, what can I do to break out of this? That's, yeah. you know, not going and nailing some cocktails every night or not going and doing, uh, you know, sitting around and, and eating bonbons. Right. So, you know, I think nature has always been a source of, of, you know, calm and, and of challenge for me. So I was like, let me, let me get out. It's, long enough to, uh, to kind of flip the script and short enough that I, I won't get, uh, get thrown out of the family for going away too long. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I love, I, I want to kind of hear like, so what that, that was sort of the, the motivation, like, did you get what you were looking for while you were out there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I came back, I, I saw an old friend at the, at the end of the trail in DC, um, nice. Sean, who, who, you know, nice. so, yes. You know, that was a, a nice reconnection. You know, I think I thought a lot about just the world. I thought a lot about, you know, the, the U S there's a lot going on and just seeing like, as a country, we had, you know, we had done hard things. We had people that said, let's go and, and dig a freaking canal from DC to Pittsburgh. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that's kind of cool that you could rally people to do that. And, and at an ind individual level, there are people that would just go out and they're like, I'm going to pick up my shovel and dig a freaking canal like, yeah. all day. I don't know how long it took, but uh but, you know, seeing that, seeing that something had, uh, you know, that part of our history was still there and was was just out for anyone to explore. It kind of restored some of my faith in, in humanity and in the U.S. and just, you know, kind of got uh, got me back on the the right spot. And I was like, all right, I'm you know, I'm ready to uh, to kind of deal with this thing. And it's either going to be another day or 100 days but, or 100 years. But, you know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of ready to go for it. Yeah. And th was there any sort of. Uh, you know, I mean, I think you had to have felt a sense of accomplishment when this thing was over, but a lot of times, you know, most often that sense of accomplishment comes after some pain and some suffering. Like what, what was that pain and suffering or was there any along the way? You know, I don't think there was any, there wasn't any like acute, you know, physical pain. I was in pretty good shape at the time. And yeah. you know, I think my first day I had planned to do like 60 miles. And at the end of 60, I was like, feeling good and, and just rode 80. And then yeah. I took a little short day the next day. I you know, hit some cold weather that, uh, that kind of surprised me. And this was early October and I had planned for, you know, maybe a little bit of a chill. And I think it dipped down to like 30 when I was up at that kind of up by the continental divide and woke up with snow in my tent. So that was a little bit, a uh, little bit chilly in the morning, but you know, there was no, uh, no like major, you know, physical challenges along the way. Just, it was more the peace, like being able to sit there for, you know, six, eight hours and just kind of pedal at a, a constant rate and, you know, be lost in nature and kind of lost in your own thoughts is, uh, it was definitely a, a, a nice and uh, well, well appreciated time. Well, and I know that you're somebody that, you know, that, that, like that freezing cold, the snow, I mean, some people might've called that the challenge and the suffering, right? But like, you're somebody that this isn't your first rodeo, you've been on other adventures and other trips. And, you know, those are the kinds of things like the more you do these things, the more you just like you roll with the punches. And I think that's just kind of a, uh, an example of who you are. And so um, I'm sure that there was, but you're just so good at kind of like rolling with it into the into the next phase. But um, the trip sounds like it was super rejuvenating for you. That's kind of what I'm, what I'm sensing. Did you have any sort of people interactions along the way, or was this just, uh, you, you yourself and you? 
Yeah, I did the ride with one guy for for I think like a day and a half. Um, yeah. I kind of saw him at lunch, and then we we just sort of bumped into each other and settled into the same pace, and you know shot the bull a little while, which is kind of a neat feature of the trail, and then uh, ended up staying at the same town um, towards the end in Pennsylvania. And that was kind of his last night, but we you know went out for pizza and had a beer, and you know I think we exchanged a couple couple text messages after, but it was just sort of one of those, uh, one of those, you know, temporary trail buddies. And I'm sure yeah, we yeah. talked about the meaning of life and, you know, some very deep thing and, you know, we're, uh, we're kind of, you know, souls in, in, uh, traveling together, but then, you know, kind of went our separate ways, which is, you know, I guess a, a neat thing and, and maybe a sad thing sometimes about these types of adventures. You, you kind of meet these people and then and they just sort of float back into the ether, but yeah, they do, is. but they stay with you because it's like the, the the memory of it, you know, I mean, and, and nature does do that to you. It just kind of puts you in this calm, peaceful state. And when you meet people like that, it's, yeah. um, it, it sticks with you. And so one thing I thought is really cool, like what, like what I love about this trip is this, this isn't like, you know, it's not like climbing Mount Everest. There's a challenge to this, right? And it's, it's fun, but it's like, it seems like it's a very doable trip for a lot of people. It seems like it's something that's kind of like, um, you know, Hey, I can go do that. I think, um, and I think that's what I really like about it. Um, you said that you felt like a calm and a challenge. Um, and, and I love that on this podcast, we love to talk about the word awe and the, the awe is, um, definition of awe that I love most is the reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder. And I feel like the fear or wonder, um, those two things combined are sort of like the calm and the challenge that you're talking about. It's like the, it's like the combination of those two elements that makes it so unique. So, like, did you have any moments along the trip where you felt that sort of feeling of awe? Yeah, there, there were definitely several, um, you know, one that there's uh, the big savage tunnel is, is kind of mm. one of the high points on the trail. And it's this huge tunnel. It was some, you know, engineering marvel at the time and, and carved out of rock and, and all this stuff. But you you kind of hit it as you're going up, you know, it's it's like a 20 mile climb and it's, yeah. you know, two, three percent grade. So you're not you're not climbing uh, you know, some big Tour de France climb or anything. You're, yeah. you're just sort of doing this little grind. But then you get to this, you know, tunnel and you can see where it's like been hammered out of rock. It's not like yeah. a thing where there's cement on, on the walls or anything. And you come out the other side, and there's this big vista over the valley. And it's, you know, it was a, a cold morning. So I was, you know, it's a little chilly and you know, bones were a little stiff getting going. And then you go through this tunnel and, and, you know, again, kind of that whole feeling like a kid on a bicycle, like I was you know yelling. So it would echo and I was making train noises and choo chooing. And then you come through and it's like this huge vista. And it was, uh, it was just like, okay, this is, uh, you know, this is pretty awesome. This is the, uh, you know, the mountain medicine or whatever you, you want to call it out in nature or you know, something spiritual out there. But what is that feeling? Like, what's that feeling like? Yeah, I think it's it's just a feeling that you're part of something larger and that you're, you know, for me, it's it's you're connected to everything, but you're also, you know, kind of your own being. You're, you know, you're an individual gear, but you're still in this much larger machine. And it's I love that. So you're, yeah. you're part of you're part of something bigger, but yet you're there to witness it. Yeah. And it's, you know, you don't have to judge it. You don't have to question the why or the how, like you can just sit there and, and sort of be, which, uh, yeah. which I think is hard. I think, mean, you know, our jobs are, are oriented around making decisions and judging yeah. and processing and, you know, putting things in different buckets. And this was yeah. just a case of like, you know, this is here, I'm here and, and I yeah. don't have to, to file anything or understand it or, or make a, a judgment on it. 
Yeah. That's awesome. And um, one thing, like I've, I've known you for a long time and I've seen you take lots of different adventures and, and tackle all kinds of different ventures. And you've always been a really good writer and you've always written about a lot of your experiences. And I know you kept a journal on this one. And um, it's not, this isn't something we really talk about that much on this podcast, but like, I wonder if you could just talk about like the value of like um, writing about the experience and how it helps you to process the experience and make it even more powerful for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think on, on this one, I kept a pretty brief journal and tried to take a lot of pictures and tried mm -hmm. to you know, be conscious about what I was taking pictures of and, you know, tried to, to stop. And, and, you know, one of my intents going into it was to, to do some photography, which I think is different than just like, I'm going to run around and take pictures of my iPhone and yeah. you know, I did some of that as well. But then I, you know, I think going back after and, and kind of thinking through how do I want to tell this story? You know, why did I, why did I go on this adventure? And I asked myself some of the same questions you're, you're asking me and then kind yeah. of wrote down the story as uh, you know, partially as I experienced it, but then kind of went back and, and tried to fit it all together. And I think that, you know, gives you the chance to, to relive the adventure a little bit and yeah. to, you know, maybe see some, some threads that you didn't see while you were, while you were out there to, you know, kind of make some conclusions that, uh, that maybe you didn't make while you were in the midst of it. So, you know, I've always enjoyed writing. I do a lot of writing professionally, but don't, mm -hmm. you know, don't get to sit around and write about an adventure. So that's, that's kind of a fun, fun activity. Yes. Yes. So Pat, how, how has the trip changed you? How did you come back? You know, whenever we go on a, on a trip like this, you know, we start out as one person and, and we finish, you know, a different person. What, what did this trip do for you? Yeah, I think it, it did a few things kind of in the immediate term. It was like, all right, I, I got out of the house, you know, got out and, and did something and, and kind of you know, sweated some of the evil out and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, you know, in the longer term, it, it, it's something I want to do with my family. You know, as you mentioned earlier, I think pretty much anyone that can hop on a bicycle and yeah. pedal could do this trip. Yeah. You know, the, the stops are close enough that if you can, you know, even if it takes eight hours to ride 10 miles, you right. can go and do it and it might take you two or three weeks, but you'd have a, a heck of a good time. Yeah, um, if you had the, the right attitude. So want to go back with the kids and, and do some or all of it uh, at some point in the near future, um, you know, kind of solidified my, uh, my desire to have at least an annual adventure, um, you know, whether kind of with the family or solo or, yep. or with a friend, um, you know, and then just, I think a lot of the contemplative time on the bike sort of convinced me that, you know, that's, it's good to be self-aware and it's good to kind of understand what's going on in your, your head and try and keep it uh, in a positive way, but also, mm -hmm. you know, being present and, and being around others and, you know, seeing your, uh, kind of seeing yourself as part of that larger, uh, you know, larger community and, and trying to fit into that. So, yeah. you know, after that, I, I think I started watching the news less and started worrying less about all the, you know, all the cruft that I think is, is manufactured sometimes out there to, to keep, we don't need any of it <laughs> doing a certain thing. I was like, yeah, Hey there, you know, whenever I get frustrated, I'd be like, there's a, a big ass tunnel in the middle of a mountain yep. in Pennsylvania that's been there for, you know, a hundred and some odd years. And it's just sitting there, you know, not, uh, not judging anyone and waiting for me to, to come back the next time. So yeah, just get on a bike and go get lost for a, for a week. I think that sounds amazing. I, I'm super excited about this trip. It's definitely something that I would like to do at some point. Um, something I know about you is like, you've always, you know, we all have a voice inside that calls us to adventure. You, you absolutely have a voice inside that calls you to adventure and you're really good at listening to it. What, what advice do you have for people that, um, maybe need to listen a bit harder. 
or are, are, are having trouble. Maybe, maybe they hear the voice and maybe they're having a hard time um, not letting the worry thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in general, I've always tried to be open to different experiences yeah. and, you know, I, I think for whatever reason, the natural tendency of a lot of people is when something comes along to, you know, start through the mental exercise of here's the 406 reasons why I can't do that. Yeah. And I've, you know, I don't know if it came naturally or if it's something I can I kind of groomed throughout my life, but when something comes along, I'm like, okay, you know, let me ask myself why instead of why not, you know, what, you know, what could I learn from this or, or, you know, why, why shouldn't I do this? Um, you know, I had a trip recently for work to go to Saudi Arabia and my initial reaction was like, why the heck would I want to go ride a plane for 18 hours and go to right. this country that I'd heard all these terrible things about. Right. And so I was like, let's, let's go check this place out. You know, it's, it's two weeks of your life. It's uh, it'll do something good for your job. So I think just having that, you know, have your initial reaction be why not. And then, you know, I think most of our excuses, you know, short of if you had some, uh, you know, if you're completely immobile or something, this trip would kind of be out of the, out of the books or out of the, uh, the list of options. But you know, if you're, you're generally mobile, you, know, you have enough means or, or enough friends to borrow a bicycle of any sort, you, know, you could do this thing on a, a garage sale Huffy that you get for 20 bucks. Um, you know, ask yourself why not and just go out and try it. And even if, you know, I, even if this, this type of adventure is too big, you know, go and find something smaller. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, Hey, I'd love to go on a five day bicycle adventure, but you know, here's some legitimate reasons why I can't go take a ride in the neighborhood, you know, get yeah. hop on that bike that maybe you haven't hopped on for a while. Or, you know, if you're some super cyclist, you know, training for the, the pro tour, you know, get on the, the beach cruiser and just feel that, that joy of being on two wheels and, you know, ideally do it with one of your kids that, uh, that definitely emphasizes the fact that, Hey, I'm on a bicycle and it's hard not to, not to have some fun doing this. So, you know, I think that's been the, the key driver for me is just always asking why not, instead of, you know, coming up with that list of, of reasons why it's, it's not a good idea. Why not? I love it. That's perfect. Um, okay, so just to just to pivot real quick, because um, something that you that you've done as a, um, an innovator and an adventurer is you have a YouTube channel called The Big Heavy, and uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was another uh, another why not. Um, you know, so I posted a video a couple of years ago. I I tiled my workshop floor. And you know, thought nothing of it. I, I shared it with a few family members and came back and I had like 200 subscribers or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I you know, did an, an update video to the tile floor. And then I, uh, you know, I write um, some technology leadership columns and somebody sent me some battery packs to review. And I was like, oh, I'll put a YouTube video together and got a whole bunch of views and started getting subscribers. And you know, always was interested in media and communications and this sort of thing. So I'm like, oh, I'll start a YouTube channel and see what happens. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and it's it it's just so interesting to see the the content that that um, that takes off versus what what doesn't. But um, that's just been another adventure for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I've tried to intentionally create this this sort of tapestry life where there's you know a hundred different things that interest me that I can engage with versus you know just getting kind of buried in in one and. You know, I sometimes envy and sometimes fear those people that are like, you know, hey, when I was two years old, I knew I wanted to be a veterinary neurosurgeon and dedicated yeah. my life to that and you know, good for them. But uh, I'm definitely not wired that way. 
I think that's so funny. And I love what you said. You called it a tapestry life. Cause you, you know, I think, um, I do value people that really focus on mastery. I think that, you know, folks that, that have one thing that they're really dialed in on and they're really passionate about, like it's super, super inspiring. But I know for me personally, I, I tend to be more of an explorer and I kind of thrive on new experiences. And, uh, one of the, one of the bullets that you sent me for um, introduction was that that you're someone who strives to be competent in many aspects of life rather than just be an expert in a narrow set. And I just I loved that. Um, I think that's that's cool. Like, I think a lot of us think we're supposed to be good at one thing, but I think that's not necessarily the case for all people. I think some of us would prefer that variety as opposed to just dialing in on one thing. And I think that's really cool that you were able to bring that to the forefront. Yeah, we kind of lost our way somewhere with like the, you know, everyone loves the Tiger Woods story. And it's like, yeah. hey, he did six billion hours of golf by the time he was, you know, four years old. And his yeah. dad made him like eat his, you know, Wheaties with the golf club and all this crazy stuff. Like, I'm, you know, clearly worked out for Tiger, I, I yeah. guess. I've never spoken with him. So, <laughs> yeah, and, it's, it. and it's okay. That's his journey. That's perfectly yeah. okay. But it's also perfectly okay to be an explorer and to look for adventures and to, and to take on new experiences. So, um, so Pat, um, whether it's this bike trip on the Gap and C&O Trail or um, maybe it's a story of all of the many adventures that you have, you've got an incredible life. And at some point, Hollywood is going to make a movie about your life. And I want to know when they do, who's going to be the Hollywood actor that's going to play you? It'd absolutely be Bruce Willis. Um, nice! Before, the, uh, awesome. before his, his recent troubles, but uh, you know, not Die Hard 1 Bruce Willis. He, he still was pretty... Uh, you know, handsome and, uh, and put together, it'd be like diehard three or four Bruce Willis, where he's kind of <laughs> nice. lost his hair. He's graying a little bit. A little I love more, it. That's uh, awesome. Cool. And so what's your movie going to be called? Um, big dumb animal rides a bike, <laughs> big dumb animal rides a bike starring Bruce Willis. I think he would play that. I think he would take that on. He's done a lot of, a lot of goofy movies. I think that title works. It'd be uh, loosely inspired by a true story. You know, I'd have that little disclaimer at the beginning because we need some East German terrorists <laughs> and some big explosions. That would be a, a critical element. I love it. Well, Pat, thank you so much for talking with me today. And for those listening, I hope you have been inspired today as much as I have. I hope that Pat's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or you need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thanks for listening. Pat, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And uh, go ride a bike and put a smile on your face. Love it. <laughs>